Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host and shepherd, Jake Counts, navigating you through this crazy world that we live in. It is Tuesday, the 14th day of January 2014, and I'll be live here for the next hour once again. Thank you, everybody that tunes in on Tuesday and Thursday nights, carving out that one hour to maybe get a glimpse of reality from a different perspective and not something that's already been predetermined, prepackaged, and then delivered to you by the mainstream media or whichever outlet you choose. Because let's face it, there are a bunch of different outlets out there. I believe that my take is obviously going to be an, an individual take. Now, there's going to be other outlets out there that have a slant and they have an agenda, but you know that goes with the territory. So what I think is important is for us to all realize that when we're being um, evaluated, or excuse me, when we're evaluating our media sources, where we're getting the information, it's important to ask what the overall objective of the site is. My overall objective um, in the beginning, when I started out, was to expose. Uh, the New World Order, a.k.a. global government, uh, global governance by um, mega corporations and elite families. And now it has shifted into something that I think is uh, very beneficial. And I'm really trying to find my niche in this system because, let's face it, anybody can read you the news and the headlines and give you their perspective and prognosticate and pontificate on certain issues. But I want my show to be different because... I have a targeted audience that's going to be from the generation that's about, um, I want to say, anywhere from 24 to 25, and I want to go up to about um, 50 to 55. And anybody over that, then by all means, I'm not discriminating against anybody. I'm just trying to tailor my message toward that specific segment because typically people that listen to my show on the regular follow off mainstream media share information with me, send me links, send me emails about articles to cover, message me on Facebook, what have you. They already know that both the political parties are bought and paid for. They already know that America is building a domestic, basically, police state here and helping funding that with the private prison complex. And they understand that there's a bunch of different facets to this major wheel that we have turning called life. So what I'm here to do is offer my perspective on these specific areas, areas in which that I find interesting. If you like what I have to say, if you like my thoughts behind it, if you like my perspective, great. If you object to my perspective, that's fine too. But at least look at the information that I'm going to present to you in the context that I'm going to present it, with the background knowledge that I have and the background sources that I give for you, and then formulate your opinion. I don't have anything against people with opinions. I actually welcome them because that means that you're at least thinking and you're trying to decipher why we're here on this planet, why, we're in, why we exist in this plane, all of these different facets that should actually go through your mind at least every once in a while to try to find out you know, why do we do the things that we do? Why do humans interact the way that we do? Why are there certain characteristics of human nature that we see pop up throughout history? Why are humans easily profiled? Why are, you know, why can we put ourselves into little demographics? And um, how can we be put on teams? And that's the real crux of the matter. Is that I consider myself a free individual and a free thinker. And I want my audience to be a free individual and a free thinker. So if you just go around touting anything that I say and you say that that's fact, then I, that you missed the entire point of, of the podcast. 
The point is for you to be able to understand how to research information, digest information, and then formulate your own opinion and then bring a different perspective to it. Because if we had a bunch of me's out there or if we had a bunch of Glenn Beck's or Alex Jones's, and yes, I'm naming somewhat actors, but you know, so be it. If we had all the same types of people debating the same types of issues, then we wouldn't create an ideal society. We would create a society that is shifted towards one of the four different models that they they actually um, laid out in a video series. One of which is um, the is called Plandopolis, and you can just YouTube that. And that's a an Agenda 21 social socialist slash um, communist model, which I don't agree with, but I can see the perspective. Once again, communism in its purest form sounds like a utopia, but we run into the inevitable part of what um, Mises talks about in his books, and that's human action. So you need to formulate your own opinion Take these little bits and pieces of information that I can give you and make it your own world. Try to make your own world, but make sure you pull other people into this type of information because this is the way that we can change history. Right now, history is sending the United States and all of its inhabitants, citizens, what have you, into a very, very dark place. I remember when I was growing up that, you know, cops, it was the boys in blue, you know. Now it's the boys in black uniforms and batons that can sit on a homeless guy and crush him and kill him and not get charged with anything. And yes, I understand the militarization of police and how it's happened and why it's happening. But we have to start with the basics. You have to you have to get people in and it's it's a dichotomy that we run into in the in the off mainstream media a lot where people say, "Well, we got to wake up. We got to wake up." No, no, no. People are awake. People understand that shit's messed up. They understand that. And forget my language, but you know what? We're just going to be adults. But they understand that things are messed up. And they understand that there are problems in society. But what they don't understand is how to fix it. Number one, they don't understand how to organize. That is one of the biggest challenges that we face because what's going to happen is that when we do organize, you're going to organize into gangs just like any other you know, human culture ever does. So we have to start with a big idea, and that's why I love the idea of, of the NSA spying was a, a, a big idea because that brings in um, extreme left-wing people. It brings in um, people that call themselves liberals, but they're, they're not really liberals. They want to use the, the arm of government to create freedom, which is – and it, it can't exist like that. You have people in the center that think that it's kind of uh, whatever. You have conservatives that have been brainwashed to the perspective of, well, we needed to stop, you know, stop terrorism. But then you have other conservatives that really do understand the Constitution was put in place from – people that understood and left an oppressive regime. Were the Founding Fathers perfect? No. Majority of them were Freemasons, so we can obviously question that perspective. And what kind of Freemasonry you know, did they practice? Were they practicing dark Freemasonry? Were they practicing occult Freemasonry? Who knows? We don't understand. We don't know because we weren't there. And unfortunately, the occult, just meaning hidden, Freemason lodges don't divulge any of their information. We have an idea of what goes on. We have an idea of the, you know, the cremation of care and things like that. But most people will take to the perspective that, you know, some of that stuff was leaked on purpose. Stanley Kubrick's films are incredible. I watched Eyes Wide Shut for the first time about a month ago. And watching that, you get a really good sense of how these people operate. You know, there's a reason that you know information has been hidden for so long, and the and the arrogance of human beings that want to say, well, if it was if it was secret, we'd know about it. No, dummy. See, there is something in the world called people smarter than you, and once you realize that, then not everybody is operating on the same level as you, and operating with the same operating system that you are, that you have people that have zero empathy. 
and I was listening to a podcast with Lee Camp and um and uh it's actually two of my favorite people. Uh it was um Lee Camp and Joe Rogan. And uh by the way, Lee Camp's gonna be back on the podcast in February. I'm gonna reach back out to him in end of this month and we're gonna figure out some dates and times and stuff. So that'll be fun to talk to him again. Because once again, that's people from two different perspectives and two different um, ideologies from a, a freedom standpoint, but coming together to have conversations about r- real world issues and um, and how we can, you know, hopefully move forward now that we've drawn light to all these things. But they were discussing um, along a multitude of issues how basically um, the American public has gotten to the point where we are. And it's just the the fact that we want newer and greater technology. So it was it was a fascinating podcast, and I don't want to get into it because I got a bunch of news and stuff to cover tonight. Because what is coming out now, shifting gears a little bit, what is coming out now is government is now acting like that the population doesn't exist. And it doesn't really care about what the population says or does. Now, does that go for every member of Congress? No, but at this point, we're, we're kind of fighting a losing battle. And I really can't stand the fact that most of the time, people that really want change will infight about what they want the outcome to be rather than fighting for actual change first and then discussing what kind of outcome we should have. Because that's where we really get into a lot of a lot of pissing contests on social media and in real life you you have people that have different ideas of what they want America to be, have different ideas of what they want a country to be. And it's well, I want to end up in this type of country and oh, I want to end up in in this type of country. And this will no, this will give us the most freedom and no, this will and no this and then you end up infighting, and then nobody does anything. So my whole goal for this year is to get people off their ass and to go do something. Just make it a once-a-month pilgrimage to get out and hold a sign, to get out and go protest the private federal cocksuckers. Get up to do something. But if you sit around and wait, if you sit there on social media... You know, it's kind of like the old adage, you know, I don't care what they do as long as they keep paying their taxes. If that's the attitude that we have, that we get out once a month and we do something, that we interact with our fellow human beings, our fellow pissed off human beings, nonetheless, understand that you're not alone in this. Believe me, I see my numbers from my show, and thank you everybody for spreading the word about this stuff. Because once again, you have to hear it from a couple of different perspectives. And do I, do I think that I have all the answers? Absolutely not, because we're never going to have all the answers. But I deliver my message in a certain way, and other people deliver their messages in other ways where they get up and blow up on air, and that's fine. And it's fun to listen to every once in a while. And then you have other people that take a, you know, a more conservative approach, and then it, it's, just, it's going to take all kinds in order to reconstruct the system. Because let's face it, the system is broken. And the reason that we know that is that we have a person in the White House, and I don't even care who it is. If it's George W. Bush, if it's Bill Clinton, if it's Barack Obama, whomever. Pick one of their last four presidents, and they've all screwed you royally in some way, shape, or form. It is not debatable. They have done things that have not been well borderline unconstitutional. But nothing like the, the current guy in the office. And he's a constitutional scholar. So what he does is he takes that little gray area and walks right down it. Which is really sleazy, but you know, it's not really him pulling the strings. Let's, let's face it. The corporate comptrollers, the bought and paid for establishment people, the Wall Street guys, they're all in it. They're all in it to win it. And guess what? You ain't on the team. As I was talking about teams before. That's the one thing that gets really upsetting to me is that everybody's got to be on a little gang. Everybody's got to be on a team. It's like, oh, well, I'm on team climate change. Well, I'm on team anti-climate change. Do I think that anthropogenic global warming is a bunch of crap? Absolutely. But then again, whatever. It's not a team thing. It's a perspective. 
Do I think that we have a lot of pollution problems? Absolutely, yes. That's something I can get behind. But telling me that my carbon footprint is part of the problem and is the reason all the ice caps are melting, which they're not, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because if you look at the mega corporations, the top 50 corporations, I covered this on the last show, they're the one causing the issue. And they're always the one lobbying against climate change. So then pull yourself back from that. And it's like, okay, well, this is, this is kind of crazy. This makes a lot of sense that they would do this. So it's never anything cut and dry, and especially in, in this world that we live in. So let's get into Obama really quick. And you know, pick your poison with the last with the last presidents. Okay, Clinton removed Glass-Steagall and basically let the bankers drop their pants and run around in circles and said, "Oh, we're going to absolutely we're going to absolutely gut this country in in 10 years, but we're going to get ours, so who 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 cares?" Uh George Bush, you can go ahead and say that the Patriot Act, that that's a good one. Um if anything, um his entire cabinet screwed the pooch on 9/11. If you think it's a staged inside job or whatever, Everybody that was in every position of power screwed up, and I highly recommend um, listening to the Corbett Reports um, last this last season. Um, James Corbett of the Corbett Report did an incredible job breaking down 9-11 truth and what you should really be worried about with 9-11 truth, not just talking about the towers and stuff like that. If that's the only argument you have and not who's going to stand to gain, who's going to benefit, once again, fall with the money, those are the types of things that you need to be knowing. And uh, if you listen to his podcast, it gives you good jumping-off points for that. So, and now what brings us to Obama? So here we are, 2014. Obama's about midway through second term, and I and I think it was very funny because I do, I do have some senator friends on Facebook, and I look at some of the posts that they make and some of the posts that they have on Twitter. I follow them on Twitter, just because it's it's interesting to see where the people in Washington are coming from and what they're saying. Because remember, they're elected officials, or excuse me, they're elected um, leaders, uh, excuse me, they're supposed to be public servants, but whatever. Call them what they want. Obama has moved the football down the field for a, basically a dictatorship here in America. And I know that sounds really corny and cheesy and cliche, but it's true. Doing things with executive orders does not make it make it well nicey nice. And well we gotta do something. And that's the attitude of the American the American people, excuse me, to to a great extent is that well somebody better do something. And it was talking about the, the do nothing Congress. Well, did you know that the do nothing Congress passed hundred and twenty one regulations in the first four days of um twenty fourteen? Yeah. Yeah, they did nothing. Just all smoke and mirrors, all smokescreen, all crap. So here's what we got now. Barack Obama has said in a speech today that he's got a pen and he's got a cell phone and he can write executive orders and execute those things in order to get stuff done. Now, to your lay individual, once again, excluding the vast majority of my audience, and if you're listening for the first time, hopefully this excludes you as well. Because somewhere along the line, I'm going to assume that we had history class, whether or not it was your government um, brainwashing facility or not, that, um, that you understood that there are three branches of government and that the Congress is actually the ruling branch of this democratic republic. Let's hope that we got that somewhere. But in case you didn't, voila, guess what? The president doesn't own and rule us. Um, he is actually just the million-dollar pen. Congress – Initiates the laws, votes on the laws, passes the laws, executive executes the laws. Ta-da. There's your history lesson. Okay. So he says that he's got a pen and he's got a cell phone and he can write executive orders. And here's what he says in quotes. Okay, so the article, this is from – I want to go ahead and quote the source. So this is from CBS DC, and the article is entitled – on executive actions, I've got a pen and I've got a phone, which is just a, a, a very big whitewash of what he really says. And as usual, um, I did live up to my um, 
my New Year's resolution, everyone, and that was to post the show notes from last podcast on the website wearenotcattle.net under the very far link, which is called podcast. So uh, keep about the first five updated, and anything after that, I'll create an archive so you guys can go and look at the archives if you listen to the archives. Uh, I highly recommend it because my podcast covers a very um, wide swath of um, information, uh, interviews, you name it. So. So that'll all be um, this will all be under the podcast for um, episode 51, and it goes on to say uh, in the article. I'm skipping ahead a little. Within two weeks left before delivering an economically focused State of the Union address to Congress, Obama is picking up the pace on his jobs message and demonstrating how we can advance his economic agenda, bankrupting the entire country um, administratively and through his ability to coax action from important interest groups. And he says in quotes, we are not giving, we're not just going to be waiting for legislation in order to make sure that we are providing Americans the kind of help they need. I've got a pen and I've got a cell phone, or I've got a pen and I have a phone. And he says in quotes, and Obama said on Tuesday as he convened his first cabinet meeting for the year. And he continued, in quotes, here's where it gets incredible. And I can see, I can use that pen to sign executive orders and take executive actions, and administrative actions to move the ball forward in helping make our kids and getting the best education possible, making sure that our business and our, our businesses are getting the kind of support and help they need to grow in advance. And to make sure that people are getting the skills that they need to get the jobs that our businesses are creating. So, and that's end quote. So here's the question. What kind of jobs can government create? Government can't create jobs. That's part of the problem. So what does he mean by giving our kids the education, best education possible? How can the president do that? Well, the president can't do that. That's under the Department of Education. Making sure that our business get the kind of support that they need. Well, seeing as though all of our funding comes from the private Federal Reserve, I don't see how that's going to work either. And making sure that the people are getting the skills that they need to get those jobs that our businesses are creating. So what does that mean? It's absolutely nothing. This is all nonsense. What it's basically saying, though, which scares the ever-living... I'll just go ahead and say it. It scares the ever-living shit out of me, because it should scare the shit out of you, is that the TPP is being debated about being fast-tracked. Can Obama use executive orders to initiate the TPP and circumvent Congress? If he does that and you people don't drop everything that you're doing and go to Washington, good riddance, there goes America. Thanks for playing the game. You are all a bunch of suckers. I will drop everything that I do if that happens and go to Washington. Or I will go to the far reaches of the globe and never to be seen from or heard from again. Because that contract, that trade group, that little goody-goody that's always pushed by the internationalists. And if you want to understand who the internationalists are, read Tragedy and Hope. It explains it in great detail. The internationalists, the Henry Kissingers, the people that want a one-world government. They want a one-world currency. Not because they love you and they think it's easy and they think that it's going to bring the world into peace and harmony, because they are all about control. So here's where we are. If that happens, and I'm not saying it's going to, but this is a really creepy statement if you're an American. If you studied history and if you're a constitutionalist, if you're somebody that wants to move towards some semblance of a free society, this is not the way to go. This is not the way to go. And I want to hear from people out there if you guys are listening, which I know that you guys are listening. It's so amazing that you guys never call in. I see the numbers people. I know you're out there. Give me a buzz. Let's chat. 602-753-1916 if you want to chat on any of these topics that I'm talking about tonight. 
And um, once again, 602-753-1916. Also got some other cool stuff coming up. I am um, going to get my first um, my first treatment before I get back into news. Going to go get my first treatment in a hyperbaric chamber this Thursday. I'm actually going to interview um, the director for this um, organization that they treat um, uh, vaccine-damaged children, um, autistic people, uh, athletes, you name it, uh, through these hyperbaric chambers. And um, I'm going to go in there, try it out, and then we're going to schedule an interview. It'll probably be next week sometime, maybe next Tuesday or Thursday night. Don't know yet, but um, that should be a fun conversation to have. He's also an activist in his own right, and he was – partnering with uh, Jim Carrey and a couple of other people for Green the Vaccine. So um, somebody of a fellow uh, mindset, so it'll be very interesting to speak with them and uh, get their take on the whole situation. And as I said before, Lee Camp interview coming up and um, a couple other guys that I've almost got pinned down. So this will be a lot of fun. So anyway, back to um, the world at hand. Sorry for the minor digression, but it is what it is. So, once again, we live in a, in a society currently that is very unstable. Let's go ahead and call it like it is. If you know that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are two of the most popular people in America, we've failed as a society. Let's just go ahead and put it out there. So, oh yeah, I think that I saw somewhere that Kanye tried to start his own coin, like Con Coin or something. What a joke. Kanye, just go somewhere. Just, just go somewhere and leave us all alone. Go get a camera and do like CC, or CCTV feeds to yourself, you and your uh, you and your little hobbit. I thought that was a really funny South Park, but anyway. So here's where we're at. The establishment and the internationalists have said back in the 1970s that they wanted to push America from a democratic republic, a republic controlled by the Congress, to a dictatorship because dictatorships are typically easier to to steer. Let's face it. Uh, it's it's a very easy thing to do. All you got to do is just buy off one person rather than buy off an entire Congress, which they've actually done a very good job at so far. So, I mean, why not? So the internationalists are now making their play, and it's getting very interesting with the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was um, very uh, sketchy to say the least. You guys have heard me cover it before, so I'm not going to rehash it too much. Only the fact that if you're tuning in for the first time, First time you're hearing about this, the one thing to know is that it's a trade agreement proposed to about 13 different nations, and um, nobody in Congress is allowed to see it. Actually, one gentleman was allowed to see it, and he could be in the room with it for an hour. He could read it, but he couldn't take any notes, couldn't take any pictures, and couldn't have any staffers in there to help him out. So all in all, you know it's a really good deal for American people and probably people all over the world. So – Congo, you guys think you thought you were getting screwed now? Just wait. Just wait. We'll probably be, you know, raking that lithium out with drones or something in the next five years, and then they'll do like a mass extermination program over there and say that it's freedom and welcome to the crazy world we live in. Oh, um, by the way, we're probably going to go back into Iraq because Al Qaeda is there now. So, you I mean it's so ridiculous that. These groups get started by the West, funded by the West, openly funded, comes out in Congress. Rand Paul says that we're, that, <clears throat> that we're funding al-Qaeda in Syria, and none of the Americans care. Nah, they got rags on their head. Those guys are evil. We got to go shoot them up, blow them up. I heard somebody at my parents' Christmas party, and I'm not going to name names because it was just absolutely disgusting. They said, I think we should just glass parking lot that whole place. Talk about a lack of intellectual fortitude and inhumane behavior. Those are human beings over there, people. They're no different than you and I. They want the same things, man. They want to be able to love their family. They want to be able to go on dates. They want to do things. Well, I mean, just depending on what your religious thing is. They just want to have a happy life and exist on this planet. But unfortunately, the United States has got a bunch of money and a bunch of little toys to come and shoot at you. Because we got to find out if these things work before we turn them on our people. And um, I really don't know what that's that's all about. The domestic police buildup, I don't know what that's all about. Is it all about economic collapse? I don't know. I mean, 
you hear people with their theories, and you know, granted, there there are theories to watch out for. Um, one of the ones that I've heard that's that's very interesting and very intriguing. Uh, the reason the educational system is set up the way that it is is because they're trying to merge the United States with the Soviet Union, which has been a plan for quite some time. So interesting way that things shape out. So we'll have to just kind of keep an eye on that. But once again, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, getting back on the topic here, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, if it gets fast-tracked and Obama signs this thing, we're all in deep trouble. And it's going to be very – let's just face it. I mean the American public have no clue, and it's up to us, the people that are actually informed, the people that read books. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is um, uh, from Bill Hicks where he said um, – he was sitting in a Waffle House, and uh, he's reading a book, and this guy said, what are you reading for? He goes, uh – I haven't heard that one before. I've heard, what are you reading, but not, what are you reading for? That's interesting. But that's the economy of our society. We would rather be spectators, rather just sit there and watch television. Television will tell me what's going on, just like the um, – uh, you guys have heard this story on the show a couple of times. I was uh, I was driving through and getting my emissions test done. The guy in the emissions place was sitting there, and he said, um, you know, um, you know, uh, he goes, I don't really know what goes on in the world. I don't ever read the newspaper. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. I was like, so um, how do you get your info? He's like, well, you know, if, um, if something happened, I'd turn the news on and they'd tell me. So that's it. It's the blind trust in the establishment. It's the blind trust. It's the laziness. It's the apathy. It's all of it. So we have to be unapathetic, and we have to start educating ourselves, and we have to start sharing information with people we love and people we care about, and you're going to have to start, unfortunately, having uncomfortable conversations, like conversations that Google was set up by InQtel and that it bought a that it bought a company called Keyhole, which owns all the satellites, which is why that you have Google satellites and where Keyhole came from and all of these different things. And now Google is buying another company. And who is this company, you should ask, Jake? Wow. This is a fun one for everybody that studied Agenda 21. Google's reach expands into – and this is actually from um, ZDNet.com. And it says, Google's reach expands into your home more, more via the $3.2 billion Nest acquisition. What is Nest, you may ask? Here's where it gets fun. And this is all part of the smart meters and all the fun stuff. I told you guys that they're going to move to an energy-based currency, which they publicly said I'm not some – again, not prognosticating and not – I think um, I think I'm going to um, coin this phrase and please spread it if you get, um, if you get an um, opportunity. Proclamating. And what pro- proclamating is, it's a word that I've made up to describe people that proclaim something and then they believe it to be true – so they continue to repeat it, kind of like the mainstream media. And it basically just feeds their ego into, if I say something is true, then it is true. I don't know any other term to call it, but proclamation. So basically you're, you're proclaiming something and then mentally masturbating over it in order to gratify your own ego, proclamating. Enjoy sharing that one with your friends. So here comes the um, here's the article. Google said Monday that it will pay 3.2 billion in cash for Nest, which is a which makes smart thermometers and smoke alarms. As if Google wasn't in enough crap in your house, here they come. Rest assured that Google is hoping to plug smart homes together with Android devices to develop a custom ecosystem and treasure trove of data. Well, of course they are. Nest launched a 2011 to strong reviews. It's it's since launched Nest, Nest Smart Thermostats, which has been replicated by larger players such as Honeywell. Once again, another crazy corporation there as well. Google CEO Larry Page said directly that Google is excited to bring the experience to more homes and countries. You mean excited to spy on more people in their homes in, in more countries. 
For Google, Nest founders Tony Vodden and Matt Rogers will bring some more design know-how to the search giant, which has hardware site side of business via Motorola, um, which I have one of their tracking devices. Vanna led a team at Apple that created the first 18 generations of iPod, iPod and the first three generations of iPhone. Oh, goody. So we're going to get more spy gear on your phone. So fantastic. On the data front, Google could ultimately harness the information about the individuals, their home, and their energy usage. Gee, this is going to be so fun, guys. Not only are they going to use this, they're going to use the black boxes in the cars. They're going to track everything that you do. They're going to tax everything that you do. They're going to tax the fact that we breathe. They're going to tax the fact that every time we turn our blender on. This is the ultimate goal of the kleptocratic, psycho, psychotic, what do you want to, whatever you want to call them, kleptocracy? I don't know. The ruling class? Whatever. This is just not human friendly. I, I see this going very badly. Nest, however, did indicate that the home data would stay in the company under its privacy policy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Which is owned by Google now and would only be used to improve products. This is such a joke. Like, why do you, why do you guys even, like, give us this whitewash crap? Oh, we're going to keep your data safe. That's kind of like when I got up and questioned the head of a a local telecom company at the at the annual sales meeting and asked them how we protect our customers' data with CISPA and PIPA being in Congress and being turned down and people worried about privacy. And everybody from the – well, it's actually the CFO, the CIO, and the CEO all on stage at the same time, and I asked that question, and they all looked at me like I had six heads because I guess I wasn't a good slave and didn't have a pre-screened question. And it was actually an intelligent one. So they made up some kind of BS that said that we hold our customers' data in the highest regard of blah, blah, blah. And, yes, they are a um, they are an ILEC so that they go through AT&T. Or, excuse me, they, they are a CLEC, which means a competitive local exchange carrier, which means that they go through AT&T, which, as everybody knows, AT&T grabs all your data and gives it to the NSA. So all kinds of funsies. All right, so... Moving along, so Google buys another company, is going to spy on us some more, and probably build some more um, terrifying robots. Doesn't the future sound fun? All right, so moving on here, um, we do have a couple minutes left here in the podcast, so I might get to all my articles today. This would be fantastic. And um, here's where it gets even more fun. Um, this is from the Telegraph. Robotic World Wide Web makes life easier for machines. This, once again, guys, this is the debate that needs to happen. And I know the singularity is coming. Ray Kurzweil is going to merge with machines. He's going to be God or whatever. That's great. He's going to put nanotech in everybody. Nobody's going to die. Or we're all going to die at once, whatever he wants. So very, very slippery slope that we're going in. But let's continue, and then I'll um, I'll give my breakdown of of why this is um, this could possibly be a very good thing. The first demonstration of Robo Earth, which allows machines to share information and learn from each other, will see four robots collaborating to help patients in mock up hospital this week. The first demonstration of worldwide robot worldwide web for robots that allows machines to share information and learn from each other to take place this week in the Netherlands. The cloud-based robo-Earth aims to help robots benefit from the experience of other machines. For instance, if one robot spends time developing an accurate map of the room that can upload the data to another machine entering the room for the first time as a navigational head start, it can also store information on how to complete certain tasks or learned patterns for um, object recognition. This means that once the robot has sufficient experience of identifying the employees' faces at certain companies, that the Earth or the robot Earth robots will be given the same ability almost instantaneously. Cool, it's like the 100th monkey syndrome. This is awesome. Another feature of Robot Earth Cloud Engine would be able to handle complex calculations for robots and avoid the need for them to include powerful processors and additional battery packs. Once again, everything going to the cloud will be fun. The trial on Thursday of the Ederhoven 
University of Technology will include four robots working collaboratively to help patients in mocked-up hospital. As the Robo Earth will be used to, or excuse me, used as a centralized store of information, communication tool, and cloud-based computation resource. One of the robots, as demonstrated, will create and upload the map and stage hospital ward. The others will download it and attempt to serve drinks to the patients and carry out other tasks. Researcher, I'm not even going to try to butcher this dude's name, wrote the project's blog. After four years of research, we will be showcasing the robot Earth through a demonstration or a demonstrator that will include four robots working collaboratively, working together to help the patient in the hospital. The robots will use robot Earth as an knowledge-based communication medium, and a computational resource to offload some of the heavy computation. This will result in a four years' work of the engines by Philips and five or European universities funded by grants from the European Union. Well, I mean, that's pretty cool. So, obviously, I don't want to be a complete fear-mongering skeptic, but, I mean, it could go bad, but I think this is a really good idea. Because there are a lot of things that we're going to have to have, let's face it, there are going to be a lot of things that we could have in the future that would be beneficial for things like this. So let's say that, for instance, if you wanted to um, have more nurses working on high-profile patients or if you wanted to have them working on people that are going to need, um, that are going to need emergency help or something like that, this would be an excellent idea. Give the robots the mundane task of going and bringing juice, water, ice chips, those types of things. I think it's a fantastic idea. Now, of course, there is the downside that you're going to go through a cloud computing system that has the, you know, that has the ability to get shut off if the grid goes down. But other than that, I don't see anything really wrong with this. This is really, really cool. I, I'm always a skeptic, but um, I want to err on the side that these people probably know what they're doing, and if they're doing it, to better humanity, by all means, we should back them and um, and absolutely get behind this. This sounds really, really cool. What's the future going to be like? That's what I want to know. The future is going to be really, really incredible. If, if of course, the, the bankers don't destroy our currency, which will be kind of crappy. But I don't foresee that happening just because it would destroy all their wealth, too. Well, not really their wealth, but it would destroy all their paper. And as we all know, they're money junkies, so they got to have their paper. So moving on to the next great article. Speaking of the economic assholes, um, this comes from the Wall Street Journal, America's dwindling economic freedom. Tell me something I didn't know. And this um, is an article. It's an opinion article. And once again, you guys will be able to find all these show links on the homepage, wearenotcattle.net under the podcast, and it'll be episode number 51. Once again, uh, don't like to shamelessly plug, but please share this podcast with people you know, people you like, people you think that might be informed or want to be informed, people that want to have a dialogue about where the world's going and want to actually do something about it. Once again, I challenge you all to do activism once a week. It's the most stimulating and most fascinating time that you will ever have, and it will actually make you feel like you're part of the human race. It is a fantastic, fantastic, it's almost like an aphrodisiac. It's very cool. So anyway, I would highly recommend protesting the Federal Reserve, EPA. Uh, if you want a list of government agencies that I would start with, by all means, you got Google's your search engine, just search corrupt government agencies, and you should find a few. And if you can find an NSA data center anywhere near you or a threat fusion center, those are also good places to start as well. Okay, so going on to this article by Terry Miller. The world economic freedom has reached record levels according to the um, 2014 Index of Economic Freedom released on Tuesday by the Heritage Foundation and the Wall Street Journal. But after seven straight years of decline, the United States has dropped out of the top ten of the most economically free countries. Wow, shocker. Remember, do nothing Congress, right? Yeah. Pass the hell out of some regulations to bankrupt the country and make it easy for the banks to get money. Anyway, oh, and um, they're talking about now they're going to have to bail out the uh, medical field. And Obamacare wasn't a, a giant scam written by the insurance companies to raise your premiums or anything to keep them from going bankrupt and destroying the system that's already really corrupt and really crappy. But anyway, 
You know, I think every person in America would go, well, that's you can't say that. That's the anti-American. Dude, our system was so screwed up. People wouldn't even commit to giving you a, a, a bona fide response. Doctors won't even commit to bona fiding a response to what kind of illness you may have because they're afraid you're going to sue them for like $5 billion. Malpractice suits are out of control. Not to say that some doctors don't screw up sometimes and screw up royally and need to be sued, but come on. That's the reason your health care prices were so high. You had people that have a slip and fall or something really bad happened to them, or not something really bad, something minorly inconvenient happened to them, and they'll sue somebody for a gigantic amount of money, and then they'll win, and then guess what? There go your premiums. Ta-da! And once again, not even close to a free market system, and not um, not even giving anybody at the lower end of the spectrum any opportunity to buy anything. So there you go. But the system was great, said Fox News. What's wrong with the system? <clears throat> Fox News might be the most crazy thing I have ever seen in my entire life over the last couple of months. But anyway, I still got time to get to my last article. Sweet. For 20 years, the index has measured the nation's commitment to free enterprise on a scale of 0 to 100, evaluating by 10 categories. Oh, free enterprise. Yeah, we're going to fail at that because we're a bunch of criminals, including finish, fiscal soundness. Um, yeah, I had trouble saying that on purpose because um, monetizing debt is um, is not monetizing bonds. I mean debt. I mean whatever. Government size and property rights. Wow, three things that we suck at. No wonder we didn't get in the top ten. Hey, you got any property rights? Tell them taxes coming. The commitments have powerful effects. Countries achieving higher levels of economic freedom consistently and measurably outperform those of lower economic freedom, long-term prosperity, and social progress. Huh, there you go. Botswana, for example, has made gains through low tax rates and political... Huh. Subsidy. Oh, political sis- what? St- oh, excuse me. Political stability. Oh, see me not having dictators and people that say they're going to sign executive orders and stuff. Huh. It's a novel concept. <clears throat> but where's the money in that for the big one percent? What the hell? Come on, man. I got to get their piece. They only got a couple billion, trillion, whatever. Those losing, those losing freedom, on the other hand, uh, risk economic segregation, high unemployment, hmm, sound familiar, and deteriorating social conditions. Hi, I would like to introduce you to my friend Greece. For example, heavy-handed government intervention in Brazil's economy continues to limit the mobility of the fuel, um, excuse me, and fuel a sense of injustice. A sense of injustice? Ah, they're fine. It's okay. It's not hard to see why the U.S. is losing ground. The marginal tax rates exceeding 43% cannot finance the runaway government spending. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, color, I do see you on hold, but I'm going to get through a couple more paragraphs and I'll go to you. Which has caused the national debt to skyrocket. The Obama administration continues to shackle entire sectors of the economy with regulation, including health care, finance, and energy. Oh, yeah. You mean like slender and giving money to their buddies? Nah, that's fine. That's what gangsters do. It's fine. Everything's cool. The intervention impedes both personal and national prosperity. Imagine that. No, but people that want socialism want more of this stuff, which is kind of funny. But as the U.S. economy languishes, many countries are leaping ahead thanks to policies to enhance economic freedom. The same ones that make the U.S. economy made more powerful in the world. Governments in 114 countries have taking steps in the past year to increase the economic freedom of their citizens. Ah, there's a novel concept. You mean not gang raping us by the private Federal Reserve? Hey, how much money is in the money supply? You guys don't need to know that. Everything's fine. 43 countries um, from every part of the world now have reached the highest economic freedom ranks in the industry's history, probably none of which have central banking. But I'm going to take a stab at it. Oh, look at that. I'm a winner. Hong Kong continues to dominate the list, doesn't have a central bank, followed by Singapore, doesn't have one either, Australia, nope, Switzerland, nope, uh, New Zealand, and Canada. Well, they actually do. Gee, I wonder what, um, wonder what the trend is there. wish I could put my finger on it. 
These are the only countries to earn an index's economically free designation. Excuse me. Got a tickle in my throat. This is going to be a spike. Despite turmoil in the Middle East, several Gulf states, including Bahrain, which is completely corrupt, has earned the declination mostly free, which is like saying the tallest short guy. All right, I'm going to go to the caller here because I've got something in my throat that I've got to get out, and um, I'm going to share this article because I don't have time to get to it. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, caller, you are on the air. Welcome. Oh, it's a – I know what this is again. I should learn that people are going to call into the show and listen live, and I should just learn. And um, sorry. So anyway, I'm going to post that on the uh, on the show notes for later. But now I do want to get into an audio clip about Fukushima. Now let's talk about Fukushima briefly. Fukushima, which had um, three massive explosions in um, oh gosh, a couple of years ago has now had their little plume come all the way over the um, the Pacific Ocean and now is starting to hit on the western side of the United States. Meanwhile, the government, as par for the course, does absolutely nothing and tells you to stare at the magic box and doesn't tell people to maybe not swim in those waters, maybe not eat the fish from Japan, maybe not do any of those things. Nah, it's okay. We've got a um, we got a population to control here in America, so you guys just go ahead and eat up, eat that fish. It's fine, everything's fine. And you know it's funny. We're gonna pull out like a Simpsons fish, and um, the government's still gonna tell you it's just dude. That's um that's extra tasty goodness for you. The extra eyeballs, extra goodies. So here is um David Suzuki, and he is a scientist from um from Canada. And I don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but I'm going to play it for you because it's absolutely fascinating what he talks about. And that um, if we have another earthquake out there or if the rods melt down, which they're sending a bunch of drunks in there to go fix a nuclear reactor. Yeah, think about that for a little bit. Once again, corporations and government working together, what could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing. Man, life is good. Economic freedom, baby. Welcome to America. All right, so um, here is the clip, and I'll be back on the backside to wrap up the show. Uh, thank you once again, everybody, for listening. Follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle, the number one. You can actually like me on Facebook. My name is Jake, and the last name is Counts. And you can find me on Facebook, or you can go to the We Are Not Cattle homepage, click on the Facebook, YouTube, or the Twitter link, and follow me that way. So thanks for listening, everybody. Here's the last clip, and I'll be back on the backside. I would say the biggest thing people should have learned from the Japanese nuclear accident is uh, that for rare events that are catastrophic, the tendency of politicians uh, to go to risk-based management is, uh, is falling. Risk-based management works well if you're calculating car crashes and the probability of getting getting in one. Things where you have a big database with lots of events in a, in a big variety of things. For things that happen very, very rarely so that you can't really calculate the probability, they still give you a number. It's astronomically low. And that would be for a tsunami or a nuclear power plant failure. Well, how is it then what do you think the probability on, on a risk base is of a, of a tsunami causing six nuclear plants to fail? And then if that isn't, doesn't blow your mind enough, the calculation of a, the risk of a, a deep water oil spill is astronomically low. And that happened just a few months later. You know, the message is there are things that are important enough that you don't tolerate any risk. Uh, you have to have data to work with to generate reliable risk estimates, and it just doesn't work for rare but catastrophic events. And that's something that uh, we as a society need to know because we have politicians who want to see these risk calculations on everything, and if they're below a certain threshold, uh, they'll go with the development. The precautionary principle has been lost. We're always being told these technologies are foolproof. 
But what is a foolproof technology? It's a technology free of fools. <laughs> and who hasn't at some point gone to a party, got hammered, and come in and hung over the next day, or got a cold and didn't want to lose a day's wages and come in, or fallen in love and lost 50 IQ points? I mean, <laughs> lots of things make us fools, and we can't anticipate the fool, how we will outfool any technology. But, you know, I've made a point of not accepting invitations to be on organizations foreign organizations because I'm focused just in Canada, but last year I did accept one international invitation to be part of the Japan Renewable Energy Foundation that was set up after Fukushima. Fukushima is the most terrifying situation I can imagine. You ask, what can we do? First of all, you have got a government that is in total collusion with TEPCO, the energy, energy company, they're lying through their teeth. Three out of the four plants were destroyed in the, in the earthquake and in the tsunami. The fourth one has been so badly damaged that the fear is if there's another earthquake of a seven or above that that building will go and then all hell breaks loose. And the probability of a seven or above earthquake in the next three years is over 95%. Now what they've got in there is 1,300 rods of spent fuel that have to be kept in water all the time. And they have no way of getting it out. And as you know, they're pouring water in and that water's leaking out. And now they've got this cockamamie scheme of trying to freeze the soil so it'll form a frozen wall. They don't know what to do. And the thing we need is to get an international group of experts to go in with complete freedom to do what they suggest. And right now the Japanese government has too much pride to, uh, to admit that. I have seen a paper which says that if in fact the fourth plant goes under an earthquake and those rods are exposed, it's bye-bye Japan and everybody on the west coast of North America should evacuate. That, that isn't terrifying. I don't know what it is. Nah, man, everything's fine. Dude, the government would tell me if, um, oh, wait, no, not in America. Not in America. Government won't tell you anything, guys. It's up to you to find your own way through this crazy world that we live in, as I say all the time. I can shepherd you to a couple of different places to where you can get some info, but it's up to you. Because, uh, hey, government's not there to save you. They're they're out there trying to run the drugs and run the aircraft and all the other stuff. They got uh, they got big stuff to worry about, man. They don't got little you know little people like you and me to worry about. They got to worry about how they're gonna you know transport themselves into uh, to supercomputers and and live in uh, bodies for the rest of their lives and leave this planet Gundam style. Anyway. But that's it for the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you did listen live. Um, thank you for everybody that downloads the podcast. Share it with people you know, people you like. I am extremely excited about this um, this hyperbaric chamber thing that I'm going to go to on uh, on Thursday. So that will be a lot of fun. And um, gosh, I can't wait to get him on the show and just pick his brain on everything. He was that march that they did was um, fantastic. Always great to meet other activists. You know, it's. Um, we're the people that are really changing the world. Whether you're whether you're out there just sharing info with people, striking up a conversation, you know, I always try to promote human acts. And one of the best human acts that we could ever do is try to interact with our own fellow human beings that exist on this planet. So, get out there, strike up a conversation with somebody you don't know, somebody in a grocery store line, somebody in a gun shop. Who knows? Just start chatting about something. Just hey, did you hear about Fukushima and how crazy that is? And if they say, what are you talking about? You might want to move on. Or you might want to drop some knowledge on them and see what they think. Once again, I'm not here to tell you how to think. I'm just here to give you some intel. And then you take it or leave it from there. But all I want you to do is at least think and be an individual. That's it for the show, everybody. Once again, get a friend, get informed, and get involved. Thank you so much for listening. And um, be sure to follow me if you can. We are not Find it. Take care, everybody. <laughs>